You know what makes me feel sexy? When I'm vibing to my music and doing my mirror work? When I adorn my waist with beads? Or when I put my favorite lingerie on just for me? Do you want to tap into your sexuality? Join me and the tribe of women and men who've chosen to create their own rules and boundaries around sex and relationships. Sexually Even After is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Sexually Even After. And I am happy to say we are slowly kind of moving through this quarantine phase and everybody's slowly getting to emerge into the world. And we'll kind of get into that a little further. But I want to kind of welcome my guests. I'm very, 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 very grateful and excited to talk to this brother. And I admire so much about him and who he is and what he stands for and the things he's done in the community. Um, my brother Malik. How we doing? I appreciate having you. He is an entrepreneur. He's a father. Um, he's a community activist. He's a leader. Um, he's, I mean, he does so many things as far as groups with black men and it just, it's, it's empowering. I think it's even as a woman to see that. So I like to commend you on that first of all, because I respect that so much. Um, you show up, you don't just talk the talk, but you actually do what you say, you know, when it comes to your community and your people. Well, thank you very much. I am. Uh, you speak very highly of me, and I'm not sure I'm deserving, but I'm glad that uh, I made that impression. Oh, I, you're definitely deserving. I think you're definitely deserving, for sure. Definitely. I think that um, even beyond like it's it's that and it's also your vulnerability like I think um you just have I don't know you're I feel like to me I can relate to it because now that's kind of where I'm at in my life I've talked about um my journey from you know being raped and molested as a young girl and um raped as a woman and you know just the the, the journey from that to now you know and it's a woman's perspective you know so and talking to you and learning some of your story just from tuning into some of your lives, like I got to see the man's perspective of that, mm-hmm. but also that same courage to share openly. And I was drawn to it because um, that's much, it takes a lot of respect as a black man for you to, to stand in your truth and just, I don't know, I admire it. I really truly admire that. So. I just I wanted to have that you know opportunity to talk to you and you know, and especially on this platform, you know, as a leader, I think that's important for other men to know in these things that we're going to talk about today. Like it's it's important for them to understand like they're not alone, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. And with this being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think that um, it's just important that. I think especially in in a lot of communities, minorities, I think are maybe more because we don't, I think we were talking about that. Like they don't have, I don't think we identify with the people that are supposedly supposed to help us be better. And I relate to, you know, I can relate to how that feels because I've, I've been through therapy. So 
um, now that more of our people, I think, are coming into the field and getting into new fields, I think we're learning to be more open and to learn to use more resources. Mm. Absolutely. So, um, so I guess I'll well, I guess we'll just get started. Like, tell me about. I wanted to talk about obviously your your past as far as um, sexual assault, sexual rape, and. I really wanted to get into that because I guess as a woman, I feel like you hear our story a lot. I feel like, and even with the women, like, I feel like nobody believes, like, it's like a, it's just, it's almost like you're shamed from, for being the victim, but that's how society has kind of created it. But I think for a man, it's another level because it's a, it's a vulnerability. And um, for you to be, I just feel like for you to be courageous and for you to be overcoming and just to show up the way you do for your kids and like it just says a lot about who you are um, as a person and even more so as a man. So I I kind of wanted to talk about what was your have you had experiences with that as do you relate to the platform in that way or like what's your what is your experience? So <clears throat> you know um, with the emergence of social media a lot of things have come to the forefront that people, a lot of people were uh, oblivious to, you know what I mean? Like uh, mm-hmm. one of those things will be the videos of police brutality. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one of those things would be just how, how many uh, LGBT folks we had <clears throat> in different, mm. you know, a lot of people too. To Twitter, to and Facebook, to uh, come out of the closet, so to speak. And one of the mm. things that came out in that was people sharing their um, survivor stories. Mm. And I, I remember there was a day when I was on Twitter, and I was reading all of these stories from all of these women that had survived either molestation as a child, um, date rape, uh, being taken advantage of, they were in an intoxicated state, Hmm. all the way up to violent rape. Hmm. And I'm I'm reading through it and I'm reading through it. And I see a lot of support from women to women. And that's always good. I see a lot of, uh, a lot of men, um, attempting to, to attempting to offer like that that you know, apologizing effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I did not see was, other than homosexual men, I didn't see any men speaking about any straight men speaking about what may or may not have happened to them. <clears throat> mm. And at that time, I I didn't even speak about what happened to me but I started speaking out on my own account not even participating in the hashtag started speaking out on my own account about I didn't I didn't direct rape as a thing that men do I spoke about sexual uh sexual abuse from adults to children mm. and which is major it, is major it, and shouldn't be, but it is. It's horrible, and it, it's it, it real is. Thing. It is, and 
it's it's not exclusive to you know male or female. This is a, a thickness right. that is in several adults. So I was I was speaking out on it like that, and somebody caught hold of the, of the tweet and started retweeting, and I started seeing that I was getting attacked, and I'm like. Hmm. It's like, well, how are you taking away from what happened to women? I'm saying, I'm not. I'm speaking in defense of children. Right. You know, my mentions are flooded with how do you, how can you speak about survivors of rape and this is what's wrong with men? And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm reading all of this stuff and people are saying just violent, disgusting things to me. Hmm. And what set me over the edge was, there's a woman who is a, a self-proclaimed feminist, hmm. verified and all of that. And she made a comment toward me because um, we went back and forth. And I was, I, I was under the guise that I was being respectful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she, she told me that uh, she's willing to bet that I've never had consensual sex with a woman. Mm. how could I and this is someone you don't even know this is someone that just took your comment from just, Twitter and just ran with it and basically made her own assumptions about it this was our first and last conversation but remember at this wow. time, I have maybe a thousand followers and she's upwards of 60 70 thousand you know mm. and uh, I'm just I'm just kind of like I, I responded with if you only knew Hmm. And I left it at that, but that ate at me for months. Hmm. And one day I just I just tweeted, I said, Does anybody know that men have been raped too? And hmm. Lottie's reaction was yes in prison. I said no. Hmm. And I just I opened my Instagram and I shared and I opened Twitter. I I just I shared what happened to me and if you'd like me to go into that I can go into detail because I'm not ashamed <clears throat> I mean I feel like it's it's up to, it's as much as you want to share because I feel like it's your comfort level because I think everybody's at a different space with it you know what I mean like I think that sometimes that sometimes details are harder for other people so I can't say you know I, I feel like that's up to your comfort but I think that okay. just knowing like I mean even if you want to touch on like your age or how how young you were, because that's the thing. And that's what's so unfair about it. Like it's you're judged for something that happened to you as a child, as it's carried on. I know a friend, I literally know happened to him. One of our teachers was molesting him and Mm. he ended up killing that man. And he's in life. He's serving Mm -hmm. life in like in prison right now for that shit. And he, that's, that's his life. You know what I mean? That's just what happened. And this is a guy that his mom started dating that she met from our school. And I remember sure. this guy. And I walked home with this yeah. dude every day. You know what I mean? And he's doing life. Okay. Um, I'm sorry to hear that about your friend. Um, As far as I go, I'm from New Orleans, mm-hmm. Louisiana. I am mm-hmm. uh, a very fair-skinned gentleman. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> What's some of the names they didn't call you? I know you got a name because when you when you yellow, I know you automatically yeah, I got called, called red. red. That I got is called a... yellow boy. I got called Casper. I got called Powder. Uh, ghosts. 
um, light bright, everything under the sun. And I'm glad you brought that up, though, real quick, because I feel like people that are not from our community, they won't understand that. And maybe they will. But I mean, obviously, a lot of it all basically goes back to slavery and that mentality, because those were the kids that you obviously knew had been, um, you know, born from, you know, the slave master raping their mom or whoever, you know, your grandma, whatever. So. It's it's still in our community. I don't people. I don't know if people outside of our community understand. Like that's a that's a real thing. Like colorism is a real thing within our race because of that same stigma, you know. And so as a light skinned you know black man, that's challenging because it's almost like they try to. I feel as though the you know darker men feel as though they have to challenge your, you because of your complexion. Like you're not a man because your complexion. Like you're supposedly like weaker. I feel like yes. that's the mentality of it because and, you're lighter so those names were meant to be to be to basically to make you to belittle you basically to make it, you feel like outsider what i've learned and not to make this a whole thing because we could go on the episode just about this alone right <laughs> but what i've learned i know i know a lot of the things Seriously. that i get and this this is always from people that don't really know me but a lot of the things that i get mm-hmm. from uh black people that speak down about my skin tone is that they're using me mm-hmm. as a vessel to say all the things that they don't have the strength or confidence or availability to say to a white man. Mm, that and is... I've heard it my whole life. I'm 37 years old. Wow. If you come up with a light skin joke that I haven't wow. heard, I might cash app you something like it, I've heard it all. <laughs> so wow. you know I, I, wow. in New Orleans <clears throat> there was you. there was one of the places where you could see the the actuality of the lighter skinned people having been treated a little better and this was the generation of my parents. It wasn't my generation. So a lot of the a lot of the light skinned okay. people were a little more affluent than the dark. But mm. my light skin didn't come from okay. an interracial loving relationship. It came from the rape of my grandmother by a white man. <clears throat> and the rest of my family mm. was dark. So the reason I brought all this up is because I'm one of the light-skinned kids that grew up poor. All of my friends were dark, and Mm. my family was dark. And I used to catch the public bus home from school. And kids from... Hmm. At what age are we talking? But the event that I'm going to talk about right now is nine. Six. Six years old catching the bus by myself. So... Which was which was not oh, uncommon. I was not the only mm, kid mm, my mm. age on these buses, you know. So mm. when I get to about nine years old, um, we moved, mm. and I had to catch a different bus home. And these mm. kids on this other bus didn't know me, and I stood out. And you know, just as kids do. Mm-hmm. Start picking on each other, and I ended up getting in a lot of fights. I get jumped a lot. Nine years old in New Orleans, 
in a bus drive because <clears throat> at this point mm. I'm scared to get on. I'm a little scrawny kid mm. and I got to fight every day and I'm just scared to ride the bus. But mm. I you're on a public bus me. riding by yourself. Well, just you. You didn't have brothers or anybody like cousins, nobody that was. My that brother was with you. is eight and a half years older than me, and at this time he had left to go to the Marines, so I was on my own. Wow. Yeah. You was by so, yourself. Wow. You know, after after a little while of, of, mm. of me getting picked on, one of the bus drivers, regular bus driver for this route, he noticed that the kids were picking on me, and. One day he said, why don't you just stand right here and talk to me? I said, what? He said, tell you get off the bus because they don't get off or you get off. Just stand right here. Ain't nobody going to mess with you because you're right here next to me. Stand right here. Which was directly behind where he was seated. So, Hmm. What age gentleman is like? Are we or a man? Are we not even gentlemen? Because ain't nothing. That's not a gentleman. But what, what age was he? Would you? You say? know, I would. I would say he was around my mom's age, so late thirties. Mm. Um. So I'm. I stand wow. next to him, and I feel good. Now I look forward to catching the bus. You know, as long as I can survive the bus stop before the bus gets there, I'm good, and I get to talk to my friend. And he started talking to me about hmm. baseball. Man. You know, I loved baseball when I was a kid. And one day he said, hey, bring your cards. And so we used to play little games. And I would say somebody's name off one of the baseball cards. And in the year, he would tell me what team they played for, hmm. what position. <clears throat> so it was really cool. Hmm. And one day he bought me a Dodgers hat. And I'm wearing my little Dodgers hat. And I'm, I have a friend now. I don't have any. But this this is my friend. Mm-hmm. He saved me from the bullies. And he gives me things. And he he's nice and he talks to me. And time goes by, I say maybe two, three months. And uh we're approaching the end of the school year. And he tells mm-hmm. me, you know, I got a, a Dodgers jersey for you. And I was like, that's the shirts that they wear? You know, I'm a little kid. So, yeah, I got a jersey for you. Right. But you got to come get it. I ain't bring it. You got to come get it from my house. And he told me the bus route to take to his house. And I was like, cool. <clears throat> so, I went to his house. Mm-hmm. And um, I, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. So, prior to okay. that. He it, it didn't he he got my trust from buying me things and talking to me about baseball. But one day while we were talking, mm-hmm. the bus rocked a little bit and he caught me from falling. And where he put his hand mm. was if you and I were slow dancing and we started, you mm. know, kind of getting into the slow dance, how my hand would go lower. Mm-hmm. That's where his hand went, mm-hmm. and then that started becoming a regular thing. When I got on the bus, he'd give me a hug, and his hand would go lower and lower. But this is my friend. Mm-hmm. It feels weird, but I don't have a dad. I don't know how dads hug little boys. 
right? You don't have anything to identify so with that feels, relationship. Yeah, should be. It feels weird, but yeah. I don't know that it's right. Wrong. Right. Right, because he's mm-hmm. only, at this point he's been kind in, in every other he, way. So it's he like, saved him from right. hurt. How could he hurt me? But yeah. Right. And exactly. one day on exactly. the bus, in front of everybody, he stuck his hand on the back of my pants and poked my asshole with his finger. And no I was... way. And nobody said anything. Nobody even that was on there I, would even say anything. I'm going to tell you Any that adults, I don't know because I remember thinking that that was wrong. And I remember being scared hmm. and embarrassed. But I remember reasoning hmm. with myself saying, this is my friend. He wouldn't do that to hmm. me. This, this is my friend. So anyway, now we fast forward to now I have the hat. And I'm going to get the jersey because, see, you violated me a little bit, but you bought my trust back with a hat. Mm. And go to his house, and there's no jersey there. And he said he had to get it from something in his room. And I went in his room, and he put his hand over my mouth, and he pulled out my pants, and he raped me in my ass. This little boy was nine years old. Mm. I couldn't scream. Mm. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't process. Mm. I never felt anything like that. I didn't know what was mm. going on. Mm-hmm. I thought he was trying to kill me. I didn't, I didn't realize this man was having mm. sex with me. I thought he was murdering me. And mm. he finished. And... He said something like, you all right? And he gave me bus fare Mm. and said, not going home. And I ran. And I ran and I ran and I ran. Mm. I remember I ran the route of the bus. I didn't didn't wait at the bus. I just took off Mm. running. And I got Mm. home and, you know, I remember crying and my mom said, boy, what's wrong with you? And I just was crying. I can't even say nothing. And I didn't say anything. Thursday and then I brought it up to her and she said it was my fault it wasn't who is Mm. this man why did he do that to you it's to go over there Mm. motherfucker Mm. I'm nine Mm. I I, I don't know I'm nine Mm. I got you I'm so sorry so, 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 so that's so, what so happened. Now, I did not oh, kill this man, but he's dead. And I do not feel one bit of shame or remorse or I'm glad he's dead. Mm. But also, mm, hold on. And you know what's Before so you sad? That, We're you not that, I want to say this one. real quick. I also want to say to the victims that his did not bring me peace. Mm. I had to find that myself even after finding out that he died. Oh, go ahead. Mm. That's deep what you just said though. Mm-hmm. Just with that what you just said. And it's and it's true because I'm gonna I'm gonna co-sign that because it's not something you get from that. Because like the guy that did it, like he that raped me, he got out, he only served four years. 
and he got out two years ago, and I, and I never was even notified. I didn't. I found out on my own because somebody and I knew a family friend is a, a federal investigator and was able to get the information. So, it's it's you don't you can't even base it off of how much time they get or if they even get any time. And when I, you know the person that molested me as a child, nothing's ever happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, in fact, in my family, I was you know made to be around this person and be you know told like they don't know what happened, but they don't think so. And I I was I actually was around him and comfortable and everything. So, it's just it's sad when that's the reaction of the people that's supposed to be the adults and they don't, and they're supposed to be the ones to protect you ultimately in all cases. And it's, it's sad that they, they use that power, especially him to harm you. You know what I mean? And I, and you can't be the only, you're not the only kid. I know for a fact in my heart, you were not the only, the only little boy that went through that. It was, And it's disgusting because he pointed, he plotted the way that he, the fact that he even strategically did that, like for months, the consistency, the the gradual, you know, gain of, of your of you know, basically your body. He basically was gradually trying to dominate your body in his own way. And as a man at thirty, almost forty years old, you damn sure got mm-hmm. way more sense than a baby. Yes. At nine. And I can't even imagine. Like I look, my son is nine right now, and he's he's the high yellow one in our family too. And it's funny because I think about that when you tell me that story. Like, I, I just think about him. And I can't even imagine telling him it's his fault. Like, I'll be ready. To, I'm going to kill you. Like, where is right. he at? Because I'm going to kill him. And deal with whatever comes with it after. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens. But I just I just can't wrap my mind around that. But what's so sad about this, the, like, the general... This is why I like I admire you for speaking out because... This is why these conversations have to be had because the generations before us didn't want to speak about their own traumas or the traumas of their parents. And then they, they, they passed all of that stuff, that those feelings, that pain to us, because that was her, that was her defense. You know what I mean? That was a defense for herself. It wasn't in her heart. I'm sure she felt something. She's thought of that. I'm sure she's had to, as a mom, you have to feel that, but it's hard to say I'm wrong. As a parent, as a mom, you don't want to be wrong or say that you didn't do everything right. But it's it's necessary even for our healing, to for them to be honest, for us as parents now to be honest, not do it all the time with my kids. If I do something wrong, I'm telling them I'm sorry, or I'll tell them that you were right. You know, it's not that big of a deal. My ego is not that big. I don't have to be right, right. all the time. You know what I mean? So it's just um, but it's so it's so powerful that that you're doing this like men need to understand more men like you just by you being transparent you are going to liberate so many men it's going to be some men that's going to struggle with it before they even are willing to speak on it but you're going to give so many men so much you know freedom um by speaking up about this because i think what the problem is they're worried about being you know judged you know or you know ostracized or called gay if you're and you're a hetero man like it's just all these things that are attached to that and it's just like it's it makes victims not want to speak up because right. they don't want to be labeled and it's sad that we attack victims as a society i really i hate that i hate that that's what we've been taught you know like the it's all it's the victim's fault once you know they've been through it and at this point honestly and i'm sure you probably agree i don't even feel like a victim anymore i'm i'm past that i don't even look at myself as a victim like 
Um, I feel like at this point, like I've taken, I've taken control of that at this point, I've taken my power back and I, I've grown to a place where I don't, for me, I don't even identify with that anymore. Like I don't, it doesn't have the same power to diminish me, to make me feel suicidal, to make me feel, you know, any of the things I felt before, like it was a darkness that followed me and I couldn't escape it because I was, it was internal. And so for me, I feel like um, this, like my journey and the things I've done to, you know, to get through that hard place, I've been able to make peace with those places. And I don't, I don't deal with that anymore. I don't deal with those feelings. I don't deal with feeling victimized. I really feel like um, I'm an overcomer. I'm yeah. better. I'm more than that. You know what I mean? The way that I've it's, been processed, well, the way that I processed it was, I'm not a victim. I'm somebody who once was victimized. There you go. Because what exactly. that man did to me was horrible. Absolutely. Disgusting, terrible, monstrous. It's it's unmentionable. It's it not was, even a word. There was that. some It's sick. He, He's sick. He was, he was sick mentally sick. And he prayed on little boys like you that had no one around, too. Think about it. He saw you, you were young. You were coming on this bus by yourself all the time. Like He probably was like, no, I don't care about him. Anybody paying attention to what he doing. You know what I'm saying? To even think, you know? Yeah. He paid attention and to all of that. Right. And that's, that's another mm. sad part of it. But, <clears throat> you mm. know, that wasn't the only thing. So, that's mm. Right, yours gets more complicated. That's right. So after that, mm. you know, I stopped taking that bus, and I started. I started either going earlier or later because his bus always got there at a certain time. And mm. you know, I'd get home later, and uh, I just avoided a lot. But what started happening inside of me as a little boy was. You touch me, and I'm going to fuck you up. Did you enjoy episode four of Sexually Even After? I'd like to hear from you. You can contact me on Instagram at Sexually Even After, or you can log on to Anchor, and they have an availability for you to upload your comments. Send me your comments. I'd love to hear from you.